Hello, hello. Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. This is episode 123, and we are right in the middle of our series on the story of scripture. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So this week, we're going to pick up with Judges and Ruth, and we're calling this little chapter, God is Faithful Even When His People Are Not. And this is our summary of this section. After Joshua's death, the people of Israel turned from the Lord and began to worship idols. During this time, God raises up judges to govern over the land and to deliver Israel from its enemies. Some of these judges, such as Deborah and Gideon, are great leaders, while others are not. During this time, there's a cycle of God blessing His people, the prosperity of God's people, the rebellion of God's God's people, God's wrath against his people, the repentance of God's people, God's God offering his people forgiveness and God blessing his people once again. The book of Ruth zooms in on one specific family living during the time of the judges, Naomi and her daughter-in-law Ruth. When Boaz agrees to marry Ruth and redeem her family, the author, through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, is pointing us to our true redeemer, Jesus Christ. Ta-da. Ta-da. The end. Just kidding. <laughs> but I mean, some Casey and I were just talking about some some of story of scripture studies kind of just kind of just skip right over judges. Yeah. We're like, hey, don't skip that. Don't skip that. There's some good it's stuff. So weird. Yeah. yeah. There's some hard stuff, so maybe that's why they skip it. Let's talk a little bit about where we're picking up. Because I feel like last week we were kind of like, Joshua defeated Jericho at the end. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't really cover the rest of the book of Joshua. And Uh that's really because the whole book of Joshua is kind of like that. It's kind of like the military conquest of the land of Canaan. Yeah. Um, So it's all kind of similar to the battle of Jericho in a, in a, in a way. Yeah. I feel like that's fair. I feel like w- when we're picking up, just like we started that, that sentence at the top, like after Joshua's death, the people of Israel turned from the Lord and began to worship idols. For some reason that we're not really sure I can, like most commentators are like, we don't exactly know why, but Joshua didn't appoint a leader, mm-hmm. um, a leader in the same government type format at, that he was. Like what um, Moses did. Yes, yeah. exactly. It, it seems like um, what what I was studying, at least, it seems like there was this idea of, well, just kind of like the elders will help rule, but they're kind of d- be directly under the Lord's leadership, mm-hmm. which sounds like, oh, that seems like that might may, yeah. maybe is a good idea. But we see quickly that it's not. And it's mm-hmm. mostly not because of the sinfulness I mean, it's mostly not a good idea right. because of the sinfulness of our hearts and right. our tendency to um, choose our ways in instead of God's ways. Mm-hmm. So what is kind of, what are we going to kind of focus on this week and then next week as we talk about the kings and prophets? Yeah, we thought that for this section of scripture, including like judges and Ruth and Kings and prophets. It's a, it's a section of scripture that covers a mass amount of text, a ton, like, like so majority much. of the Bible. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and so 
in order for us to kind of like figure out what's the best way for us to do this, we thought, well, maybe we'll just pick like one or two people and dive into their Mm -hmm. stories. And we will talk a little bit about some of the people to be consistent with our people, places Mm -hmm. and promises. But we thought we'd kind of zoom out a little bit more for these two because it covers so many people and so many places and so many promises that it would be better to kind of focus on how these parts of scripture um, advance mm-hmm. God's story. Because mm-hmm. what happens often is, and I don't know, I can't speak for you, but for myself, like, I feel like I don't, I'm not as familiar with these texts. And so they can feel maybe disconnected, mm-hmm. I, um, especially judges and especially prophets. I feel like sometimes, David, I can know what's going on. But um, with the prophets and with the judges specifically, it, it feels like they're kind of just random stories. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. And so we're like, well, how does this how does this connect? And if our whole point in this series, like we said from the beginning, is to see God's story as one story, our, our format's going to be a little different in these two episodes where we're really trying to show how this section of scripture as a whole is is continued and tied into the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's good because this these two sections contain a lot of those like felt board stories that uh-huh. you see in Samson Sunday school, Samson and Delilah, David and Goliath, David and Goliath yeah. um, Gideon, mm-hmm. you know, even like Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like all of those stories fit mm-hmm. in here. And so it's going to be good to kind of see what part of history, what part of God's story of redemption that those actually fall into and why they're there. Yeah. Um, because the all those little stories have the same purpose. Right. So we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So I like that judges actually in the second chapter kind of gives you an overview Mm -hmm. of what the whole book is about. And it's this cycle, like we said in our little paragraph, it's this, this cycle of the people, um, turning to God and turning away from God and God giving them mercy and raising up judges. And so in judges two sixteen through 19, um, we see, the author actually explained this. So I'm going to, I'm going to read that. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge for the Lord was moved to pity by their groanings because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. But when the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. Yeah. One of my favorite books when, when studying for this was, um, by Kaleidoscope Kids, um, Kaleidoscope Kids, we're not partnered with them by any means or anything, but I am a big fan of what they do. So they take books of the Bible and they write them in sort of chapter book form for like the middle age readers. And so, um, I read through theirs is called powerful kindness that covers judges and Ruth. And I read through it with Harper. And so this morning I I told Harper, I said, I'm going to go teach on what we read. We've been reading through. And I said, can you kind of summarize what that book taught you? And I said, what does it teach us about the judges? And she basically said what you just said, not that smart. I mean, it was very smart for her age level, but I mean, not that like In fancy depth. word. Yeah, yeah. But she yeah. said, she said, what happened, mom was the people, they She's would so love funny. God. And then they 
would not love God. They would love other things. And then they would have consequences and things would be really bad. And then they would want God again. So they'd ask for forgiveness and then God would give them a judge. And then after God gave them the judge, then the judge died a little while later. And then after that, they would choose bad things again. And she's like, and it kept happening, mom. Like, why didn't they learn? And I was like, that's a great question, but it's, it's, um, It's that, that concept, right? Mm -hmm. It's cyclical. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about in the intro, it's like they would, they would love the Lord and then they would find idols Mm -hmm. and worship other gods. And, and like Casey just read that passage, um, in judges two is actually verbatim taking things that Moses had warned them about Mm -hmm. and saying, don't whore after other gods. There, there is punishment and there is consequences that are going to come to these things. And they would have recognized that the, Mm -hmm. the original readers would have caught that, that similar wording Mm -hmm. to what they had been warned about. Um, and so I think it's just helpful sometimes to, like we've said before, like go to the Jesus storybook Bible or sometimes use kids resources. Because when I first started studying this, I was like, this is really confusing to me. And there's all these different judges and all these different things, but Mm -hmm. then reading through it with the kaleidoscope kids book, like really helped and was a really good place to to kind of get a better grasp on this. So helpful. So helpful. And I think this, this same idea, right. Um, that we're talking about this spiral is, should sound very familiar. And in the book drama of scripture, which we've referenced on here before, um, they explain this. He says, judges tells a story of a spiral downward into rebellion and disaster at every level in the nation of Israel, which is exactly what we said on our episode about the fall, right? It's this spiral Mm -hmm. downward. And Mm -hmm. so when we're thinking about the story of scripture, we saw the fall on an individual level Mm -hmm. with Adam and Eve. And then we saw sin and the fall in more of a, um, family level. Uh Um, and we saw some of that, even with the patriarchs, we saw some of that with, um, Jacob and his deceiving Uh and all Mm -hmm. that. So we saw kind of this rebellion at a family level. Now we're seeing it in the nation and the, the level of the nation, which we saw glimpses of in Israel. Right. But now it's going to a whole nother level when we look at the judges. Do you ever feel like the nation and culture that we're in right now is spiraling like that? Um, I'm, I, I'm kind of an optimist. <laughs> so I don't like to think like that. I like rainbows and unicorns, but I'm sure if I started to, I could very easily. That, well, I just think about it. And I think sometimes, especially with, with the pandemic and here in Texas with the snowpocalypse, (laughs) you know, just everything, the crazy election this past Mm -hmm. year and just everything going on. I think we can start to see like, um, it can start to kind of feel like a spiral and Uh. we see people's sinfulness and everything. But Mm -hmm. I think it's good to remember that this has been going on for ages. And the reason that we have sinfulness in the world is because of the fall. Mm -hmm. And we are, um, totally depraved mm-hmm. and um just to remember like there's nothing new under the sun and yeah. that um as we see here god is faithful even when his yeah. people are not yeah. and there's hope because this past year i've had times where i kind of get stuck in that oh my goodness everything's just falling to pieces and we're the first people to ever have to go through <laughs> any of this yeah. and that's that's not true yeah. you know god is still good and he's still faithful even when everything seems to be spiraling around us yeah um and i think about like noah specifically mm-hmm. um like he had to kind of feel that right because mm-hmm. his family was faithful and he trusted god and he saw all this corruption around him mm-hmm. um 
but God was so good to him and delivered him. And so I think we can, we can hold on to that when everything around us seems crazy. Yeah. So you're probably familiar with some of the stories, like I said earlier, some of the like felt board stories Mm -hmm. in this, but maybe you're like me and you didn't realize, Oh, they were a judge. Yeah. So we have Deborah, we have Gideon, we have Samson. They were all judges. Um, and then there were some others that maybe we haven't heard of. Yeah. So when we were reading through that kaleidoscope kids book on this, there, the girl's favorite one was Ehud. Um, it's, it's a strange story. It is a very strange story. If I laughed when I saw in that your on text, there. Yeah. In the actual Bible, it's, yeah. it's kind of strange. But, um, the reason they liked that one was because it talks about him being left-handed and I'm left-handed. And so for some reason there I don't know why. The, I guess the text points that out because he was able to use a sword with his different hand. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, but maybe. it was like, and he was left-handed. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow, left-handed. That's so special. Every time every time I read through it, I think about you because <laughs> I know you're left-handed. And I'm like, oh, they point that out. funny that it's special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. Yeah. And, and these judges, um, none of them were perfect, right? Like right. we know that about every person that's in the Bible, none of them are perfect outside of Jesus, but they served, um, as tools, like as tools that God used to, to provide some sort of deliverance or some sort of blessing to his people. When they would finally recognize their sinfulness and repent to the Lord, he would raise up a judge Mm -hmm. to bring them back into his, his, um, the benefits of his promises. Um, whether that's back into the land, whether that's, fruitfulness, whatever that looks like. But the, these judges were, were part of God's faithfulness and, and keeping his covenant with his people. Mm-hmm. You could see this in Deuteronomy at the end of Deuteronomy in, in chapter 30, he talks about if they repent, I will forgive mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And so it, I feel like passages like this, like judges and, and often in Jonah and different, even with the Israelites, we're like, well, God is so quick to forgive and they're so sinful and like he knows they're going to do it again. And why is he just, you know, so quick to forgive? And and it's because he's being he, faithful he to said his he would. promise. He said he would. Yeah. yeah. And that whole part in Deuteronomy, he's saying like Moses is saying, here's all the curses. Here's all the blessings that will happen if you keep or if you don't keep this covenant. And then it ends with and if you fail just come back to God and I will forgive just you. Just come yep. back to God and he will forgive yep. you. And sometimes that's hard for us. Cause we, we almost like want our form of justice or something mm-hmm. like, yeah, but it's just beautiful when we think about it. Cause it points us to the cross of that. Mm-hmm. That's the same promise for us. If we repent and come to Jesus, like, it's instant forgiveness mm-hmm. and we're brought into the family and we get to be a part of that same promise that we've seen throughout all of scripture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's good. So what are some things that this portion of scripture accomplishes? So I think we can kind of think of three main areas when we think about this. I think one is that it's advancing God's story, right? So we're not just left wondering of, okay, well now they've gotten into the promised land and then Jesus shows up, Mm -hmm. right? Like there is, there's a big portion of scripture that we're talking about here um, and big time period that we're talking about here. And so it's advancing God's story and it's continuing to show us the sinfulness Mm -hmm. of man and our need Mm -hmm. for a savior. And then two um, is kind of what I just led up to is that it shows the sinfulness of our hearts Mm -hmm. and, and that can be both a comfort and a frustration, Yeah, but it, it reminds us that we're the same as them. Yeah, exactly. Like Mm -hmm. we can read judges and be like, like Harper said, you're like, why do they keep doing that? 
Why do they and keep like, forgetting? Why do you keep Why, why do, do we keep, keep disobeying yes, me? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Child. Child. Um, but it's it's that idea, right? Is like yeah. we can look to scripture and we can be reminded that we're no better than the Israelites. We're no better than these, you know, we're no better than wandering Israelites. Mm-hmm. We're no better than Israelites in the land. Mm-hmm. Like we continually turn to idols. Mm-hmm. Um, so it shows, shows us our sinfulness. But then the most beautiful part is that it, it points us to Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's saying, here are these judges that serve temporarily as a tool to bring redemption in mm-hmm. some small right. glimpse. But actually Jesus is going to come and be the true and better judge mm-hmm. and be the true actual redeemer of his people. And so I think, I think those are kind of three big picture things we can take away from judges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. I was thinking through some of the promises that we see in judges and I found this little paragraph in a book called what's in the Bible. It's really, really Mm -hmm. good if you're wanting to study the big story of scripture. Um, and they say this throughout history, God has promised blessings and cursings, prosperity and calamity. The consistent thing, however, is that either way God is glorified, whether the people choose to obey or foolishly fall into sin, his holiness remains perfectly intact. His Sovereignty is never threatened. Either way, God wins. Although for his people, it is always less painful for him to be glorified because they are obedient. Um, And this is what we see throughout Judges. All of these promises and all of these things about God's character are consistent because he never changes um, the whole way through. That's good. So how does the book of Judges end? So the very last verse of the book of Judges is, in those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And I always feel like that's kind of a dun dun dun, you know, uh, yeah, like, yeah. oh, like that's not good. Like, obviously it's, it's kind of alluding to like that not being a good thing. Mm. Um, and so... Basically, they were a hot mess, right? <laughs> yeah. Like just in bad shape. Yeah. But in the middle of that mess, um, we see the story of Ruth. Mm-hmm. So the very next book in the Bible is Ruth. And um, this specific part of history happens during the time of the judges. And if you look at the story by itself, it can just seem like, oh, a sweet little encouraging story. Ruth chooses to st- stay with her mother-in-law and and she finds a husband and has a baby. But in light of scripture as a whole, this story is actually so meaningful mm-hmm. and so important. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I didn't even know until studying for this that like it took place during, during the time, that time yeah. of Judges, mm-hmm. which if you're not studying the whole story of scripture as a whole, you may not see how valuable that is. But I think it's just so kind of God because there's like the situation is so terrible, right? There's this constant spiral downward, mm-hmm. like we talked yeah. about. And there's little peaks of, of God's goodness and faithfulness when he provides a judge. And then mm-hmm. the sinfulness comes back again. And But God's saying, look, even during this, there's always glimpses of my grace always there is always and we see that in the story in this story of Ruth like in the way that he's provided Ruth for Naomi and Boaz for Ruth and and all of that but even more so we see that in the fact that he's provided this story in the book of the Bible Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it didn't have to be included but he chose those people to continue his story and we'll talk more about that when we talk about the people and the promises through this story but just the fact that he's able to say um 
hey, everything is bleak, but look, there's mm-hmm. still yeah. beauty to be found. Yeah. And so I think that's a good practice for us. Like maybe you're like Casey was just saying, it's like, oh, this feels like this pandemic is going on forever. And I lost my job because of it. Or I haven't seen my family in a year, different things like, and things can feel so hard and heavy. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not necessarily healthy to just try to ignore all those things or be like, there's always silver lining, but there, there is always a way to see God's grace in that. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we can give an example real quick and share. Is there something that, um, you have seen over the last week or so that has been a glimpse of God's grace in this season? Yeah. I mean, this is actually a little bit of a, a bigger thing. Um, but for the past six months, we've been um, following up with Juliana on some some different like medical testing. Some it's it wasn't like really severe, some fairly minor things. But we had a little bit more this week, and the doctor says everything's good right now. And that's something that's been on my mind, you know, for six months. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I just you know the night before I was journaling, and I was like, God, like no matter the outcome, like I know you're good. I know you love her more than I ever could. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would just felt like such a great to hear that especially in this season I've been just really struggling with um, different anxieties and not sleeping and so it really just felt like a grace yeah. that that things are okay with her right now yeah, yeah. that's what good about you that's a good Do you example mine was not that big <laughs> and mine usually aren't but you know <laughs> I was just thinking my girls I'm coaching my girls in soccer right now and it's just so fun for me that it's I'm like every week I'm excited Wednesdays are practices and so every Wednesday I'm like it's Wednesday and having something to look forward to yeah. we know that's important to you yeah, yeah but just also in that season mm-hmm. what a grace you know yeah. and so that yeah. gives examples of something as simple as a soccer game or something yeah. a little bit bigger, like medical tests, like yeah. God's grace is everywhere. Yep. Yeah. So it's good. It's a good practice to be yes. in the habit of. Yes, it is. Um, another reason I love this story is because it's showing us, um, and we've talked about this in other passages of this, and we will continue to talk about this, but it shows God's heart for, for the marginalized or for, mm-hmm. um, for women specifically, yeah. um, because this, I mean, one, the name of the book is Ruth and mm-hmm. it's, it's shaped around Naomi and Ruth, right. two women, which to us in this day and age feels like no big deal. Like, mm-hmm. duh, of course it should be. But during the time that this is written, like that would have been very controversial and yeah, it would have been true. a very big deal for, um, for the author to say, Hey, this is integral to this part of the story. Mm-hmm. This is integral to what God is doing is that he is using a Moabite woman to continue his story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's significant because the Moabites were pagan. Right. Um, and that's kind of where the story starts off. We'll do a, just a quick little summary. Mm-hmm. Naomi and her husband had fled from Israel or from Bethlehem um, to Moab. So that's right across its east um, across the Dead Sea. So you're in Israel and you go like across the Dead Sea and Moab's right there. Um, And they did this because of famine. Um, They were trying to find food. And um, her sons, Naomi's sons, took Moab wives, which was actually against the biblical law because the Israelites were not to intermarry with pagan people. God had been very specific about that. So that was actually a sinful thing that they did. Um, Naomi's husband and sons all died and she loved her daughters-in-law very much, even though they were from this pagan land, Mm -hmm. she loved them very much, but she told them, go back home. Um, I'm going to return to Judah. I'm Mm going to return to my family. Um, and you turned, you return to yours as well. And 
then here's where we hear Ruth say something that I feel like this, I feel mm-hmm. like these verses are quoted all the time, but this is in Ruth 1, 16 through 17. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you for where you go. I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge your people shall be my people and your God, my God, where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts from you. And this is just huge because like I said, like Ruth was a Moabite. And Mm -hmm. so for her to tell Naomi, like your God will be my God, Mm -hmm. like that's huge. Um, and her loyalty to her mother-in-law is just so, um, inspiring yeah. and such an encouragement. Um, so when they get back to Judah, Ruth meets Boaz and Boaz is a relative of Naomi's husband, but Boaz is also Rahab's son. I love it. So I said <laughs> that we would be bring Rahab back yeah. in and this just, I mean, this just gives me chills yeah. every time this prostitute, um, that helped the spies in Jericho and God has just used for, an even bigger thing. It mm-hmm. was big that he used her to help those spies, yep. but now um, he's using her for this family. And yep. you're going to see how this family is significant in even more ways. Yep. Um, yep. And so Boaz becomes Ruth's kinsman redeemer or the family's kinsman redeemer. He takes her as a wife. So um, my study Bible says this about redemption. Redemption was a cultural practice in which something alienated might be restored to a family by a kinsman redeemer or next of kin. Thus, if someone had to sell himself or his land to pay a debt, the kinsman redeemer had the duty to step in and act upon the situation. He was to redeem and restore. So that's just a little bit about what a redeemer was. Right, right. It was a cultural practice. It was. Yeah. That yeah, that but I feel like there's so much more going on in this one in particular. I mean, maybe this is just me romanticizing things, <laughs> but I really like to imagine that like he really loved her. Like, oh, it, it seems very like clearly. It. it really, yes. I mean, he already yes. said for them to, you know, look out for her mm-hmm. and leave yeah. some wheat for her yeah. and but I think what's really neat about redemption is in this one in particular, it seems like there's a, there's kindness Mm -hmm. tied to redemption, right? If it's a cultural practice, it could have just been like, Oh, well, this is my duty. I have to do this. But we see there's actually someone else who was, could have been the next of kin. But Boaz goes and like wants to says like, Mm-hmm. will you do that no cool nope. i'll take it i'll do, I'll do it. it like he's like please like say no yes. Yes. yes yes and so there's there's this kindness aspect and that's one of my favorite things about this book is we see so much kindness we see mm-hmm. kindness for the way ruth, ruth takes care of naomi we see kindness in the way naomi cares for ruth and mm-hmm. allows her to go back to her family if yeah. she wants we mm-hmm. see kindness in the way boaz steps up and and cares for ruth even before he's married to her like we said taking care of her while she's mm-hmm. trying to get some wheat and and there's just this theme of kindness that's mm-hmm. sown throughout it where it's not redemption begrudgingly right. it's redemption willingly. out of willingness mm-hmm. willing kindness which is a beautiful example of what Jesus does Mm -hmm. is he's not begrudgingly going to the cross. He's going out of love Mm -hmm. for us. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the whole point of Ruth, right? Is to point straight to Jesus, Mm -hmm. our promised redeemer. Mm -hmm. And, um, this, 
section of Ruth kind of sums that up. This is Ruth 4, 13 through 17. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the woman, the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. So there's just so much in these few verses. Um, The women are saying this about Obed, Mm -hmm. but really it, it echoes exactly what you can say about Jesus, right? He's a redeemer. The Lord has not left you without a redeemer. May his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be a restorer of life and a nourisher for your old age. Mm -hmm. So this is pointing straight to Jesus. And then you see, this was Obed. He was the father of Mm -hmm. Jesse, who was the father of David. And we know that David's in the line of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And David, again, is pointing us to the truer and better King Mm -hmm. Jesus. I mean, there's just so many, so many connections. So this is absolutely a story about kindness. Um, Kindness to each other, but more than anything, God's kindness to us in the true redeemer, Jesus. Yeah. What would you say between Judges and Ruth, what would you say is like your biggest takeaway or your biggest like application from this, these passages? Oh goodness. I hate to like, I hate to say exactly what we've been saying, but probably God's kindness. Mm -hmm. Um, because we just talked about how we see it in Ruth, but then go back to judges and we see it over and over and mm-hmm. over and over. Like you were saying, like God was continually, um, fulfilling his promises, fulfilling his covenant. And he didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Like he, he did because he, he made those promises and he's going to fulfill them, yeah. but it was, it was out of kindness. And I think that that's encouraging to me because like I was saying earlier, no matter how much I sin, no matter how much I see sin around me, I can remember that God is kind. He is faithful. Mm-hmm. And, um, like we've been talking about for weeks now, he will be with me. Yeah. Just like he was with the Israelites. Yeah. What about you? I think honestly, I think my biggest takeaway from this and is when there's passages that are hard to understand, like a lot of judges, um, like a lot of the book of judges, um, to, to try and remember the whole story of scripture. Mm -hmm. And, and I say that from very much personal experience, because even this morning I was trying to remember something about one of the judges. And so I went back and read that passage and I'm like, some of this stuff is just straight up weird. Like, don't smite me Lord for saying that because your Bible is inspired and it's inerrant, (laughs) but some of it, I'm like, why did they say that? That's so weird. Like, and anyway, so I think just like trying to not get stuck on things that, um, can seem really confusing. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think my biggest takeaway from, from this in studying this passage and preparing for this. And if you're actually reading through judges, as we go through this is to, to, if you feel stuck and if you feel confused, try and zoom out Mm -hmm. and zoom Mm -hmm. out and zoom out until you can give yourself some bearings. Because if you were to ask me as I'm reading about Ehud stabbing 
Eglon, the fat, ju- the fat bad king or whatever they refer to him as, I, um, I would be like, I don't understand. Why does this matter? Like, why is mm-hmm. this in here? But when I'm able to step back and, and say, okay, we're in the book of judges. What, what is the role of the book of judges? And I'm able to take another step back. Okay. Judges comes after the Israelites are in the land and they are continuing to sin and turn away mm-hmm. from God. Okay. Well, why, why does that matter? And then zoom out again. Okay. Because God created man chose rebellion. These are the effects of rebellion. Mm-hmm. They're pointing us to judges, which point us to the need for a true and better perfect judge that is coming. Yeah. And so I think my biggest takeaway and my biggest encouragement, um, would be to just do that. Just continually zoom out little by little, mm-hmm. um, when things feel hard to use scripture, to interpret scripture and to just not stop reading just because something mm-hmm. is confusing or hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, that's my so encouraging way. because when we started doing this study, I feel like we did pretty good up to judges and then, you know, starting in the gospels, yeah, you know, that's pretty good. But this section, I feel like we were both like beyond overwhelmed. Like what do we do like, with what this? What do we do with this? Yeah. But I think the longer we sat in just the story of scripture as a whole, mm-hmm. um, it's, it seemed less overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it makes you realize like you don't have to get caught up in those small details. Exactly, like yeah. why is it telling yeah. me he grabbed the sword with his right hand and stabbed him yeah. until his poop came out? Like, right. I'm like, I don't want to know that, yeah. but like it, it helps you to remember, okay, there's a point to all of this. Mm-hmm. It's showing us there's a true and better King. Exactly. So yeah, it helps exactly. you not get so stuck in mm-hmm. the mud. Yeah. 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 Okay, so come back next week and we'll talk about the prophets and the kings um, and how God promises a true and better king. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredible